I'm here and you're like, oh, I don't know what's Queen doing at church. Queen needs to be at church. Queen needs some Jesus, okay? And, and Jesus needs just a little, whoo, that was close, a little bit of Queen today. And I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why. 
because I need this message to stick in your heart. Okay? Now, you can look at that song one of two ways. You can say, oh, that was from my youth. You can't be playing that in church. You can't be doing that. That is so wrong. That takes me back to this. Or you can say, let's put a new filter on it. Let's put a filter on it that says one of two things. Because the world says, I want it all, I want it all. We have seen that all year. We have seen it this year. Everybody wants everything. Everybody's got FOMO, right? Everybody's like, I've got the fear of missing out. It's like, I want it all. I need to own it all. I need to have it all. I need to work for it all. I need to keep it all. I want it all. That's the world we live in. On the other side of this is, when it comes to my relationship to the kingdom of God and why I planted a vineyard church, because I had uh, got saved into a church, I had come to understand Jesus, I had been able, I, I got to the place where I'm able to open my Bible, I can look at the things, but guess what? Whatever God's got, I want it all. I don't want some, I don't want a little bit, I don't want kinda, I want it all. But so many times, what God's doing in our lives, it's not enough. Because we start complaining. And we start saying, God, come on. We're in this series called Holy Moses. And I'm gonna tell you right now, my prayer for you is as we go through this Holy Moses um, together, it's holy like holy and set aside. That's what that holy means, set aside for divine purposes. Moses, I hope you have a holy you experience, but I also hope that it's a holy Moses. Did you see what God did in my life? I hope you have that. We've been talking through the idea that sometimes we come up against things and we're like, God, we're going to die if you don't get us through this. What are you going to do? And then, holy Moses, God does something. And so we're looking at Moses' life and, and moments out of um, his story in the book of Exodus as we do this. And I want to go down through this uh, in the book of Exodus chapter 16. So I'm going to open up this thing. You know, you hear me teasingly refer to it as a Bible, mostly because that's exactly what it is. Um, and you can carry one of these and I would encourage you to and have one so that you can turn the pages. Um, however, I also believe that, you know, expediency being what it is, Jesus probably would have carried, a, you know, a smartphone and been able to contact you version and, you know, whip that baby open and say, you know, it says right here in uh, the Torah, um, you know, this is who I am, and Luke 4 would have had a different, you know, like, you know, look to it, um, but there it is. So open up your, your implement, go to Exodus 16, I want to read verses 1 through 16, and just for time's sake, I didn't want to read like three or four chapters today, but I, I want to go down through here and, and pick some things out that tell this whole story that we're looking at today, Okay. It says right here in verses 1 through 16 to begin with, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam which, and, and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. You know how long they've been in the desert? 45 days. Okay, they left Egypt 45 days ago. All right? It says, it goes on to say, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, to Moses and Aaron, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Now, I don't know if you know the story, but you can go back and read it in your Bible. 
And how Moses kept going back down to Egypt and saying, Pharaoh, let my people go. I don't think he sang it. Um, I think maybe, you know, Aaron had something to say, but I always think of that song whenever I read, you know, let my people go. And so uh, today I just wanted to do that. Um, it's not queen, but, you know, it's, it's the same time. Let's just go. Um, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day, gather enough for that day okay just to go out just for that day in this way I will test them and see if they will follow my instructions you ever think about the fact sometimes God wants to know whether or not we're going to obey him because the scripture says to obey is better than sacrifice uh, can you imagine a Noah you know saying yeah it's a nice idea it's a big boat why don't we just build it this way instead and God's saying no 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 it won't float I won't let it float I'll sink it. You're going to build it my way. So God tested them to see whether they would follow his instructions. God goes on to say, on the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other day. So each day they gather enough for one day, and then on um, Friday, because that you know, is how it works for them, on Friday they gather enough for two days, but that's the only day that they're allowed to do that. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening... You will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us. You're grumbling against the Lord. And then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire assembly, uh, Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in a cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread, and then you will know that I am the Lord your God. And that evening, quail came, quail, quail came, not chickens, not pigeons, not sparrows, okay? I don't know if you've ever been hunting. I don't know if you've ever eaten um, delicacies, but quail came to the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes of frost uh, appeared on the ground on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is this? For they didn't know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given to you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each of you is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer, that's a, that's a, a measurement, okay, big quart jar, a little bit better than that, and each person, um, for each person that you have in your tent. So you're to take this jar and fill it up for every person in your family, okay, that, that lives inside of your tent. This is what you're to take. So God provides for his children in an amazing way. We're in the desert. They've seen all the ten plagues that, that destroyed Egypt. They've seen Pharaoh come racing out to take them back. He's going to kill them, and the waters came in. They've seen all the things that God has literally done. L listen to me for a second. In the daytime, they're following this giant pillar, tornado-looking cloud. And as it moves, they follow it. At nighttime, if they're still moving, there's a great big pillar of fire. This is their life. And they're saying, God, why did you bring us out here to die? This is terrible. This is awful. What are you going to do about this? 
and they begin to grumble. And God says, fine, I'll feed you quail. I'm a hunter. I've had quail before. Quail is great, especially if you wrap in a little bacon around it. You know what? And you grill it slowly. Quail is so good. Put a little barbecue sauce on it if you want. Or get somebody in that actually knows how to cook. And they can like braise it, whatever that means. And they can put Bernay sauce on it, whatever that is. And, and I'm sure it will be just as good. But God wasn't giving them sparrows to eat. He said, I'm going to give you quail. And so God begins to provide for them. But there's always that group that doesn't want to play by the rules, isn't there? Huh? There's always that, that group that's like, we better get it all! I want it all! And so they begin to collect too much, and we find ourselves down at verse 20. So let me just skip down to verse 20. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. Moses was just a spokesperson, which meant some of them paid no attention to God. Okay? Some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning. You're not supposed to keep it overnight. You're supposed to eat it all and then go dump it out. They are going to keep it overnight so that they didn't run out. They were going to make sure they had theirs. But in the morning, it was full of maggots and began to smell. You know that time when you put your trash can out there, and you, the, the garbage truck comes and takes your trash can away, and then you roll it back to the house, and then you open the lid just to look in to make sure it's all empty? And there's nothing but maggots in there. And it's so nasty. It's so gross. And it's like, ah, this is what happened. They opened up their containers and there were maggots in there. And, and Moses was very, very angry with them. And now if I go down to verse 27, if you'll follow along, it says, Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day. Remember, they're not supposed to go out on the seventh day, on Saturday. You only gather on Friday, but you gather enough for Saturday as well. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. And then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord is giving given you the Sabbath to rest, and that is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where he is on the seventh day. No one is to go out so, every, so the people can rest on the seventh day. And that's what we see um, that is going on here. And so this is, this is kind of some of the stuff that I want to share with you. Um, why is it that when God tells us, this is what I want you to do. We have to come to that place where we say no. What is it about when somebody says there's not very much here, everybody has to go get as much as they possibly can? I was on a, a, leader, a, a, a leadership um, training um, expedition up towards Hudson Bay out in the middle of nowhere. We had to carry all of our food with us for two weeks. And so we were very nervous because this was all the food we were going to get for two solid weeks, and there was 14 of us. And so inside the buckets that we carried, there was just food here and food there. And at every time that we came to cook, we were very careful about how much we cooked so that we would have enough. But there was this one guy, and it did not matter what was going on. He always had to be first in line. He was at the very front every single time. And, and, and when I challenged him on it one time, I said, hey, buddy, you know, what about this? And he's like, hey, I'm just going to make sure I get mine. Somebody's going to take too much. What is it about us that's scared to death that the God that provides for us so miraculously is going to let us down? 
Why do we think God would let, why do we think God brought us this far to watch us drown with Pharaoh? Why do we think God brought us this far to watch us die in the desert? Why do we think God has walked with us, listened to our tears, put his arms around us, been there in the night, sent friends over, had people gather around you just so he could kick you to the curb? Why would you believe that there's a God out there that wants to do that to you? Why can't we instead say, listen, he's given us bread in the morning. We have to gather it and make it ourselves. But hey, guess what, kids? Just so that we don't have, I don't know how my dogs do it. Dog food in the morning, dog food at night. Dog food the next morning, dog food the next night. It's the same dog food over and over and over and over again. I finally got to the place my wife's like, you're giving the dogs eggs? It's like it's killing me that their food is so boring. Yes. So in the morning, I crack an egg on it. Sometimes they get to eat the shell because they like the shell. But it's just like, I want them to have some. I can't imagine just getting food in the morning and the same food at night. Food in the morning. At least it's bread in the morning and quail at night. And then it's just a matter of getting some sage, getting some little things growing around the desert, sprinkling on the quail. Maybe it tastes pretty good. Maybe one day we have quail stew. We're just looking for ways to cook the quail. God provided for them miraculously. But they were convinced that God was going to kill them out in the desert. I saw a meme the other day on social media that described humanity to a T as a pizza party. The world gets invited to a pizza party and they rush to the pizza and take three or four pieces to make sure they get their fair share. The church should step up and take one piece knowing that God will get them another pizza, right? God will take care of us. We don't have to clear the shelf. But we saw that every time last year when all of a sudden we needed hand sanitizer. This poor schmuck right here down in another state that shall not be mentioned that borders this state bought 17,700 bottles of sanitizer and put it in his garage because he was going to make a killing on hand sanitizer. Double the price and keep on going because there was not enough hand sanitizer to go around. Listen, I'm a capitalist. I'm there. I am absolutely there. But capitalism should never trump good sense. Good sense? Hey, what happens when there's two inches of snow um, 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 projected for Madison County, Kentucky? No bread, no milk. No bread, no milk. Man, why aren't you buying root beer and pizzas? And clear the shelf from the Red Baron pizzas. Why do you want bread? My oven still works with two inches of snow. You know, if it's an ice storm, then maybe just take the pizzas home and cook them as fast as you can. And, and, but bread? Why is the bread? I'm not drinking the milk. I want something good. I'm, if I'm staying home, I'm having a party. Bread and milk is not a party at my house. But this is the guy. Believe it or not. Greed should never trump compassion. And greed is a sin. It is. But I've never met a greedy person. I have been ashamed of myself at times when I've been greedy. But I've never met a greedy person. The book of Ephesians chapter 5, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person such a person as an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Wow. Why not witchcraft? 
Uh, man, I, I, get the, I get the no immoral person. No person who's sleeping around. No person who's having sex without being married. No person who's living lasciviously. Okay, no person like that. No same sex, no, none of that. It's, that all comes under sexual immorality. Anybody who's gonna live this way? No, I get that, okay? Okay, no impure person. I'm not sure what that means, but back in the day, it could have included people who eat pigs, people who eat things that God said don't eat this. It could include that. But it also includes people that are willing to dabble. No person, you know, dabbling in the Ouija board. No pe- person dabbling with witches. No, no person dabbling in seances and, 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 and uh, um, uh, horoscope signs. And Those are other religions we've been called to stay away from. But greedy people? How did they make the list? How did greedy people make the list that's this important? Because there's something about sexual immorality that makes us greedy for it. And so suddenly you begin to say, oh, God has to write a whole book called Malachi because Israel had such a high, 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 high divorce rate. People were just trading partners back and forth. The church in Corinth had a guy that was sleeping with his dad's wife. And it's like, oh my word, because sexual sin is a greedy sin. So you begin to understand why it's there. But we get to this place and we wonder, what is God trying to do in the wilderness? And how can I understand that? And what is the word for me today that God wants me to go home with this? And this is it. God honors, God honors compassion and generosity. He honors that. Generosity, I think, is easy. I did. I, I, I find generosity an easy thing. Just let it go. God gave it to me. He'll give it to me again. Just let it go. Honor, that's a tough one sometimes. How do I honor the guy that needs some help? How do I honor the guy that needs some help because he made bad choices? My wife reminded me the other day. It's like, generally speaking, all the people that come to the church for help made bad choices. So why are we saying, yeah, if they wouldn't have made bad choices, then well, then they wouldn't need help either, would they? Yeah. So maybe... I can stop judging them and look for a way to honor them and say, how can we help you? How can we? Not not how can we continue the system, not that at all. But at the time that somebody's screaming, there's a green dragon chasing me, arguing with them about the fact that green dragons are not real is not the thing to do. Getting them into a room that we can shut the door and say, hey, just so you know, no green dragons are allowed in this room. You can be at peace in your soul. I know it sounds foolish, right? But no, it's for real. It's for real. And people can, now we can deal with how can we help you, see? Instead of trying to argue, let's get to the place where we begin to do things generously. Jesus instructs us to be givers and not takers. I said last week to be conduits, not cul-de-sacs. He calls us to give our testimony. You ever, you ever given your testimony? Honestly, we got to see Jeff Kennedy up here on the screen last week giving his testimony to you and I about how God moved into, in his life and how you affected him and his bride's lives. Isn't that amazing? God says, give your testimony. God says, give love. God says, give truth. God says, give witness. Don't lie. God says, give food. God says to you and I, give healing. Give healing. 
God says, give somebody a drink. God says, give somebody warmth. God says, give somebody attention. He just wants attention. Give them attention. Give them attention. God says, give other people relationship. Welcome them into your life. Welcome them into your home. Welcome them into your small group. Just because the world marginalized them doesn't mean we have to be a part of that particular system. If it's uncomfortable, it might be good for us. But we're called to be givers. Matthew 10 says, if anyone gives a cup, even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple. He's talking about little ones who are my disciples. In my head, Peter's not a little one. In my head, John's not a little one. John's pretty athletic. He outran Peter to the tomb. Peter, on the other hand, outran him into the tomb. So they're not little. So who's Jesus talking? My little ones who are my disciples. Truly, I tell you, that person will not lose their reward. If you give a cup of cold water to somebody in need, and, and, and that's, that's a real cup of cold water, but it's also a metaphor for you and I. When we know somebody's in need, if we at least try to do, what was it Brian said? If we at least try to do something, we can, we can all do something. What could we do in that given situation? Where can we go? In Luke, Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. Now listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to make a promise out of this one. The reason I want you to make a promise out of this one is because it's the same thing that God said in Malachi. If you bring in the whole tithe, test me in this and see if I don't open up the store windows of heaven and pour out such blessing in your life. God said that. Don't, I, don't, don't believe me. Go read it. It's in Malachi, I believe, chapter 6. I believe chapter 6. It might be chapter 5. I believe it's chapter 6. And so here it comes forward in Jesus' teaching. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, press, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And there's a, you know, a, a Southern Gospel song there if you just wanted to kind of get jiggy with it, you know, and start doing this. Uh, but anyway, it'll be poured into your lap. It'll be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use, with the measure that you give, with the measure that you're generous, with the measure that you love, it will be measured back to you by God. The second thing here I want to share with you is this, that God provides for his people. God took those people out into the wilderness. Some of you feel like you're in the wilderness. We're, we're studying Moses. We're studying sometimes you're facing things and you've got a baby and God um, is, has got you in a place where you're holding your baby and you know that the, the midwives have been instructed to kill it. And then the Egyptian people have been instructed if you see a baby boy, that you kill it. And you think, I, I, can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then God says, here, just come with me because what I'm going to do is I'm going to provide for you. You follow, follow me out here. God didn't take him in the desert to kill him. You're facing something and it's hard and it's difficult and God didn't take you there and he hasn't got you there and he's certainly not going to leave you there but I can tell you right now he did not put you there so that it would destroy you. It's not going to take you out. It has the chance to take you up. But that choice is yours. That choice is yours. God provides for his people. The Lord provided for Israel in an amazing way. You know that in 40 years that they wandered around the wilderness, and they didn't know they were going to wander around the wilderness just yet, but in the 40 years that they wandered around the wilderness, their shoes did not wear out. 
And let's just be honest. Three weeks into a new pair of shoes, and we're like, ah, these are out of style. I'm going to be needing some new shoes to wander around the desert. I can't wander around the desert in these. These are last week's shoes. Everybody's wearing this sandal now. No. Their sandals and their clothes did not wear out for 40 years. Jesus, please let my teenager be able to wear those same jeans for 40 years. And my kids killed me. My kids killed me with clothing monies. Man, we were broke poor trying to put clothes on them. I know you're, you're doing the same thing to me. I'm telling you not to do. It was a choice. You didn't have to be with that woman that the Lord put in your life, biblically speaking, I mean. You didn't have to be with her and make those children, did you? That's on you. Now you have to go without to clothe them. If God would only let their clothes fit for 40 years. How did God do that? I'm just telling you God provided for 40 years. But who are God's people? In, in uh, 1 John, John the disciple tells us, in fact, this is love for God. This is how we know who God's people are. To keep his commands, and his commands are not a burden. To obey him and not complain. To eat the manna and not say, do you not have anything else to eat in heaven that you could send down here? To drive that car, even though it needs a new paint job, and it's a couple of decades old. Because it works. It drives. It gets you to work and back. To work. <laughs> to get a job like God told us to do. As Christian people, we should be working, not taking from the government. Whether we can or not is not relevant. We've been called to work. God provides for his people. Jesus says in the book of Luke, so if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with true riches? And if you have not been worthy, excuse me, trustworthy with somebody else's property, who's going to give you property of your own? So at the point that you begin to say, well, man, I don't know why God doesn't intervene and do this, stop and back up and say, what does God want me to do with what I have? Oh, sure, you can't provide and pay for a whole orphanage, but we can do something, right? That's what we were told. We can do something. Solomon, before he went off the deep end, penned this thought in the book of Proverbs. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep laws, excuse me, keep lies, keep falsehood and lies from me. And don't give me poverty or riches, but give me my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, huh, who's the Lord? What does he have to do with this? I did this. Or I'll become too poor and I'll steal and so dishonor, dishonor the name of my God. And the last thing that I want to share with you is this. God expects our obedience. And obedience, I think, is this for you and I today. To live thankfully. Live on what God gives us. Be responsible and be grateful, but live thankfully. It's way too easy to complain about what I don't have. But what about if I start living thankfully for what I do have? I have my children. Right now I have my health. Right now I'm in this church. Right now I know where lunch is today. I'm not, I'm not hurting. Live thankfully. 
receive from God abundantly. You will hear me say over and over and over again, John 10, 10, God wants you to have a parisos life. Look at the word parisos. Don't take my word for it. I'm not health, wealth, and prosperity. I'm just saying I want it all. I want everything that God has for me so that I can be a conduit, not a cul-de-sac. Because God is going to bring people into my life that have need. Receive abundantly so that we can sow generously. We cannot change Madison County without being givers instead of takers. This is God's plan for you and I. While we sing, excuse me, while the world sings, I want it all, I want it all, I want it all, you and I have been called to give. Give our love, give compassion, give our testimony, give. If you find yourself in the desert and you're saying, man, it's dry here, Pastor Joe, Give God a chance and start thanking Him for what you've got. Live in what you've got. And then give Him the chance to pour more into you. More opportunity, more responsibility, more finances, more of whatever that's going to be. But understand this, the only reason you get more is so you can pour more into the kingdom of God. Because at the end of the day, the trumpet sounds and leaving a dynasty here won't count for anything in heaven unless that dynasty is the lives of people, then it will. As we come to the end of this message, I don't know what God's been saying to you. I don't know where the Holy Spirit's working in your life. I don't know what you face. I don't know what what need you have. But I know this, God wants to touch it. And so we're going to go into our closing song, and these people are up here, and they want to pray for you. All it takes is a little bit of courage to get up and say, you know what, I'm a human being, and I, I have a need. I have an emotional need. I have a relational need, or I have a physical need, or I have a spiritual need, but I have a need. And it starts with, I need God. And it might be anywhere else. And these people, we want to pray with you because there are times when this team has to pray for me. There are times they walk into my office, they got to pray for me because I have a need. More than anything, I need Jesus. And I need him to change me change my attitude so as we're singing the song as you come to your feet if there's a place for I need prayer for this in your life please 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 move during this song and we want to pray with you let's pray fathers we come before you we do thank you for this word we do thank you for what you're doing in our lives we do thank you for the blessing of Jesus Christ we thank you that the provision is so great compared to the rest of the world and I ask your forgiveness for the times that I've been a whiner God I ask your forgiveness for the times I've laid on the floor kicking and screaming, where are you? Because you've always been there and you've always provided. You've always been leading. I've just not always gotten what I wanted or got my way. And I ask your forgiveness for that. God, open up our eyes to seek first your kingdom. Open up our eyes to reach out to somebody. Open up our eyes to be givers, not takers. Open up our eyes for the quail and the manna that you keep pouring into our lives because you're God. Thank you for this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Those of you that are watching online, before we go into this song, um, down in the lower right-hand corner, you'll, you'll see a little thing that says request prayer. If you're on Facebook and you made the link, just make sure you're on the website. But there's somebody there that wants to pray with you as well. We don't want you to feel just because you're not here in the room that you're not with us. And we don't want to lose sight of the fact that you're there. And we love you. We love you to there. And as soon as you have opportunity, get back into these seats. But until then... Be safe and be careful.